Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Unleash Your Impact podcast and this collaboration conversation with us today. Remember, we come together to talk about anything and everything that has to do with building and utilizing teams well so that you can have a bigger and better impact. And today I am so excited to be joined with my friend, Amy Mason, who's going to come on in just a little bit and share all about herself, how we got connected and what it is she does and how we stumbled across this idea of um, talking about where your time is spent there your impact will be. So I am Casey Watts, Impact Coaching Consultant. I'm so excited you're here. If you are joining us live, go ahead and leave in the comments who you are, where you're from, and what you're hoping to gain from tonight's content. All right. So I'm going to bring Amy Mason on, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. We're going to tell you how we came to know each other, and then we're going to dive right in. Hey, Amy. Hi, Casey. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I'm really excited to have somebody else to have a conversation with instead of having a conversation with the screen and the comments. So this is perfect. <laughs> so so tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you've done and what it is you're doing now. Sure. So I'm Amy Mason. I am a educator by heart. I think we always have to put that in there. Um, you know, regardless of what title you hold, you start out as an educator. And as long as you carry that with your, with your mindset, it helps you in whatever actual position you are holding within a school. But I have been in education for 22 years and started out as a classroom teacher. I actually taught grades one through four. And then stepped into an intervention type role for a short period of time before I transitioned into school administration. And I served four years as an assistant principal and nine years as a principal. And wow. uh, this past July, I transitioned now into doing more educational consulting to support schools across the country. And uh, in my experience, I actually worked within five different states in the U.S., so I feel like I have a unique perspective because I've seen how things are done in a lot of different places. And now between the things that I've learned and the places that I've been, I feel like I can leverage those skills to be able to support teachers and administrators within their schools. Yeah, that's awesome. See, I don't know that I knew that you had been in five different states. Maybe we just, maybe I heard that in your conversation or our conversation and just never like stuck with me, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so what is your website now? So um, I, I wanted to add one other thing. I just realized too, oh, yeah. I kind of finished out my principal's role as the 2021 National Distinguished Principal for the state of Alabama. Woot, woot. So that's where I am right now in, in the state of Alabama. But uh, I transitioned to uh, find my own consulting company, and it is called Aim to Educate with the number two. And uh, there's a story behind that, too. But um, my name being Amy, and I have two children. And um, in the Bible, it says that your children are arrows. So um, I have two arrows that I'm kind of shooting out and then I'm educating because that, like I said, is who I am. It really defines the work that I've done over the years. So aim yeah. to educate. And that's in your logo too, right? It is the arrow. Oh, yes. Okay, so cool. see it. 
Very cool. Okay. So we um, have a really unique, and I'm not going to say it's unique, but it's a really fun topic for us to talk about. And I don't know that fun is necessarily the word to use, but there's just so much that you can talk about with this that we found ourselves going on and on and on and thinking, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways we could talk about this, but we have a limited amount of time. So we want to be sure that we focus on a couple of things that you and I have found to be most important when we're thinking about where people's time is spent, especially in education, right? Right. Um, So we've got several people in our chat over here. I'm just going to share, like, we've got Brandy Hawthorne, I'm pretty sure, fifth grade teacher who I work with. Hey, Brandy. And Alyssa Landerneau. Hey, Alyssa. I didn't say Thornton. Her maiden name is Thornton, but she's been married for like seven years. And I call her by the wrong last name all the time. Um, And I know we've got Allison Peterson here. And then someone else who has taught in seven states. They they get a gold star for the certification challenge that you go through to get certified in seven states. No kidding. I don't even know. Like I'm Texas, born and raised, been here forever, will always be here. So let's talk a little bit about um, this unique situation that we that you came across over Christmas that kind of brought us to thinking about how it relates to this content. Well, and uh, we didn't really address the question too, Casey, about how you and I got connected. Oh, but yeah. yeah, so it actually can kind of segue. So, okay. uh, you know, I am a lifelong learner and I'm always looking for ways to learn more. And so I happened upon Casey's Facebook Live that she was having, I think it was over the summer, regarding the use of Marco Polo. And I have used Marco Polo for personal reasons, but I was curious about how she was leveraging that as a professional development tool. And so um, we got to talking back and forth about things on Marco Polo. And so most recently here over the holidays, I was kind of catching her up on things and Uh, had a unique story to tell. And then it it really snowballed uh, the two of us into how it relates to school and the work that we do in schools. Yeah. Yeah. So I had been with my very good friend and her daughter and my daughter, and we are all musical people. We love to sing. And we decided this year was the year we were going to make it happen. We wanted to go caroling. And we just decided to load up in the car. We rehearsed a couple of songs together. This was just for fun. And we were just going to show up on people's doorsteps. And most of the people that we went to visit were people we knew. So that that didn't creep anyone out. But (laughs) as we were driving around the neighborhood, I'm in a fairly affluent area of just a lot of single family homes. And we're looking around and there was a house that was completely decked out. So they had lights on the ceiling. They had all kinds of Christmas decor on the front porch. The front lawn had everything on it and it was all lit up. You could see the lights on inside. It was the week of Christmas. So a lot of people are, of course, are not working full time at that point. And it wasn't super late at night. It was only about maybe seven. And we decided we're going to go there because those people are really into Christmas and they would so appreciate just a random group of carolers that show up. So our manager, as I will call him, is my six-year-old son who enjoyed ringing doorbells that evening. And Mm -hmm. he went to the door to ring the doorbell and we could see motion inside the house. 
and no one came right away. So we were all kind of looking at each other. Well, maybe they don't know who we are. I, I sort of get that. You're a little unsure. So I said, well, let's just start singing because <laughs> you hear music out on their front lawn. I mean, you're at least going to look out the window or something. Yeah. So we started in and we started singing and we made it through probably the first half of the song and the door finally opened and this woman comes out on the porch and we finished the song and started talking to her. I, I said, uh, we're just here caroling for you. We saw your beautiful decorations and thought, hey, you would really appreciate the Christmas spirit of us just coming and, and sharing some music with you. And she just stared at us and wanted to know who we were with. I think she thought we were asking for money, which we weren't. And I clarified <laughs> that. I clarified that we were families that were just out, you know, singing. And she basically said that um, it was cold. Now, mind you, I've lived in five states. So uh -huh. cold. It was in the upper 50s. Right. Okay. Cold. It was cold. And uh, <laughs> she had two dogs inside and she needed to get inside. And I said, okay, well, um, have a Merry Christmas. And we just all disappeared to the car and got in the car and we scratched our heads because yeah. it, it didn't match what was happening on the outside. I, I didn't understand why she wasn't appreciative of yes. Christmas music. Because she had all of these elaborate decorations out there, right? She did. She yeah. played the part. She played, she played the, the part. part. Yeah. And uh, so then the door closed and, and we had to actually have a conversation with the children about, you know, how some people celebrate Christmas in different ways. And um, but, you know, it, then that's where Casey and I on our Marco Polo call were trying to it really brought us to relating it to things that happen in schools, because um, sometimes things look really, really great in a classroom, if you were to look around and judge it just by decor and how everything flows together. But if you stay long enough, it's always disappointing when you understand that the instruction doesn't match what's yeah. happening everywhere. Right. right. Absolutely. And so that's really what we want to talk about today is like that disconnect between where our time is spent and the impact that it's having. So in today's episode, we're going to be sharing about two major time sinks that get in the way of growth and impact in schools. And what, what we're hoping is that you leave the conversation kind of reflecting on all of the things that you notice yourself doing, because I could say like, we are going to be guilty of some of the things that we talk about. Um, but we also see it as instructional leaders, you see it from an outside perspective as well. So you're going to be thinking also about like, what are the right kinds of questions to ask when we're helping people reflect on where their time is spent? And what's interesting about this is um, Peter DeWitt recently wrote a book called De-Implementation, and he shares about all of these things that are happening in school that really we need to stop implementing or we need to implement them in a different way. And, you know, I saw a graphic recently and two of the things that were on that graphic were, were exactly what you and I talked about in relation to this Christmas story, like this woman has this elaborately decorated house and yard. And yet what's happening, like she's not fitting the profile that she's projecting. And um, 
here are two things that we're going to talk about specifically from like, especially Amy, some of the experience that you've had in your leadership position and maybe what I've noticed too in both classrooms and in, in leadership. Um, these are two things that Peter DeWitt shares about. One of them is thin content, nice packaging, which, you know, like relates so closely to this Christmas story because this lady had this nice packaging, but there was thin content. She didn't match that profile. And then the other is time mismanagement. So let's dive into kind of what we think of when we think about that um, over implementation that Peter DeWitt talks about. He shares that we see thin content, nice packaging. So Tell me, Amy, what comes to mind when you hear thin content, nice packaging. And if you're in the comments, drop a comment as you're listening to us, like what's standing out to you? Where have you noticed thin content and nice packaging? Go ahead, Amy. I'm going to start with when you walk in a classroom, what's on the walls? Um, sometimes I think that people feel like every square inch of the wall needs to be covered with something. And I think sometimes there is a misconception that your room doesn't look ready if you don't have every square inch covered. And I think one of the challenges that I would offer is let the children get involved with making Mm -hmm. meaningful things that can be used like anchor charts and things that they can actually reference that apply to what they're learning versus just um, something cute that gets put up there. Right. And I wonder, I want to go to the question of like, why, why do you feel like I'm teacher specifically, but I would say really, if we, if we thought about this outside of the educational context, we really could see some of this in like the corporate world, you know, like this very nicely decorated or um, nice facility, but there's thin content inside. What do you feel like makes teachers feel as though they need to cover that space? I think sometimes it's a competitive thing. Mm-hmm. And we all go through that. We do it as individuals with our homes. You go to yeah. someone's home and everything's nicely decorated. And then you think, man, I, I'm not doing so good over here. Oh, oh my and, gosh. Yes. You know, it's that uh, it's a competition. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not even what decor you have, but, you know, it's how welcome someone makes you feel. That yeah. same thing. It's that same thing is true in a classroom. Right. You know, if kids feel welcome there, I don't know that it really matters how much is up on the walls. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked when we talked about this, we were talking about like that sense of belonging too. we want to feel as though we belong. Well, if I'm noticing someone across the hall from me going all out with their decorations, I want to feel as though I'm contributing to this organization in some way. And maybe that's the only way I know how to contribute. Or I'm thinking, okay, this is how everybody else is contributing. I must need to live up to that standard as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. for Definitely. sure. Um, one of the things that I noticed too, and we talked about this is the, and we called it, uh, what did we call it? An epidemic? Is that what we ended up calling it? Yes. And I have to preface this with, I really have nothing against this 
company or organization um, because there are some great tools here, but there is an overuse of it. And that is like the dash to, it's actually two things, mm-hmm. teachers pay teachers and Pinterest because that's the go-to and it's generally the go-to when we need something quick or it's the go-to when I want to find something that's pretty and presentable. But again, it is thin content, nice packaging, right? So what do you have to say about that? And, And I've heard a lot of people, they're referencing the fonts that are used on the pages, the, the clip art that's there to make it appealing to the eye. But when you think about the content and really wanting to ensure that your students have mastered whatever that standard is that you're teaching many, in many cases, it doesn't go deep enough. Yeah. In those TPT, you know, uh, whatever you would call them, um, assignments or um, things to supplement instruction. And so I I think, again, we get kind of caught in the, it sparkles and it has glitter on it. But when we're looking at, you know, time and really trying to make sure we're making the most of our instructional time to get kids to meet standards. We need to just keep moving forward and maybe not worry so much about whether it has a cute font. Right. Yeah. And I would say probably we spend as much time searching for those things as it would take us to really just think, okay, what is some research based material that I have at my disposal right now? And that research based Uh, tool could be the person across the hall that has something that you could use to benefit your students that they've tried that has been a best practice. Casey, are you telling people to collaborate with their colleagues? I mean, that sounds like something you would say. That's (laughs) it. It sounds a little bit, just a little bit. Yes. Like what I would say. Yeah. Um, and, and truly so much of this goes back to collaboration. And I wondered also, you know, we were talking about that Christmas house, how um, this kind of relates back to looking at what the people around you are doing and deciding, okay, how am I going to belong to this situation? I wondered, does this woman look around her and say, okay, everybody else is decorating. I need to go decorate too. I also wonder if there's any collaboration around, hey, this is what we're going to do in our neighborhood this year. So be sure you're meeting this criteria. Well, I wonder how much of that's happening in classrooms, but about the wrong things, you know, like, hey, we want to have this theme in our hallway this year. So let's be sure we have all of these, I don't know, themed posters, et cetera, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when we really dig into it, like, where is the impact there? Is the, is the greater impact on your presentation of this display or is the impact truly on the learners? And I think we, we fail to ask that tougher question. And sometimes we're making the work harder for ourselves. Oh, absolutely. It. Yeah, for sure. For You're sure. burning a lot of oil trying to find all of those things. And then by the time you get on to the next, especially for elementary teachers who are teaching all of the content areas, yeah, you know, you, you can't get sucked into spending too much time in one area because something else falls off the plate. Is yeah. what happens. Absolutely. Okay. If you are in our comments or in our chat, would you put in hashtag cute 
does not equal mm, quality. Cute does not equal quality because we know like there is a time and a place for something to be appealing to the eye. But if we put it up against the question, like where is the impact and is this short-term impact or long-term impact, then is it something that we really want to, to go after? Is it something that we really want to focus on? Cute does not equal quality. Okay. Let's anything else that you're thinking about when it comes to thin content and nice packaging. I think, you know, I was looking back at our notes and, and, you know, the, the, the saying it's swing and a miss, you know, and you just keep swinging and missing. And so, you know, when you're making that athlete comparison, you want to hit it the first time so you yeah. can move on and run and score for the team. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you, and for your kids, as you said, if I think if you really flip the way you're looking at things to, to think about the student impact part, first and right. foremost, it will help you to really prioritize how you're spending your time. Yeah. And guys, if you are listening in, we want to be sure that you have some questions that you can go through either for yourself and or with teachers or maybe with your team that will help you to level up your impact. So we're going to give that to you at the end of this episode so you can download it, have it ready, print it, practice those questions, rehearse them in your mind so that you can then use them in natural conversation because this is where this is where you are going to make that that one degree shift. It's not going to be in a um, intentional like one and done meeting. It's going to be an ongoing conversations. And I would love, Amy, from a principal's perspective for you to share more about that. Like, how do you how did you support teachers and staff in really thinking about your vision and goals and student achievement? You know, we had collaborative grade level meetings and collaborative time that we set aside every week. And it was 90 minutes at least once a week. If not, in most cases, they had at least 45 minutes of common planning every day due to yeah. specials and things that they were going to. And, you know, time and how you actually set up the schedule. And then it's not just time. And I know Casey has talked about those things, but being intentional about agendas that you're setting making sure that people come prepared for those meetings so that they know what to expect. And then we really focused on uh, the professional learning community, those four critical questions that they have to make sure that we were looking at what kids need to know. How will we know if they know it? How are we going to determine what we do with them if they don't learn it? Mm -hmm. And um, how can we extend it for kids that, you know, need their learning extended? And so if you really really drill down to those guiding questions. And, you know, Casey has some great ones she's sharing today, but those guiding questions can help you stay focused. Yeah. And uh, we have a tendency as educators to sort of lose our focus. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's okay to have a little bit of time like that, but not in a time where you're actually collaborating for the instructional planning purposes. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that leads really well into time mismanagement and, um, one of the things like we know and we've kind of already talked about is pouring that time into the cute things or what we feel like is going to make a visual impact with little return, little to no return on investment. Um, and then 
I, I want you to share a little bit about like what else you see people spending a, an inordinate amount of time on that maybe doesn't result in a greater impact. Yes, there were a couple that you and I discussed and some of them were almost comical. So I'll, I'll yeah. kind of go into that. But I think there's first this misconception that uh, certain people in schools think that the car that's in the parking lot first thing in the morning and the last one to leave is the person who's doing the best work. And I think we need to agree that that is not, that's not it. Right. Because it's not how long you're there. It's mm -hmm. what you're doing with your time. And, and I was one of those people too, especially for those of us with children. I might leave right after school time to handle things that my family needed. And then you'd revisit your work later in the evening where people would not even see you and know. And I think, you know, those years of distance learning and things that we were doing from home have gotten people to realize that work can happen in other places besides the four walls of the school building. Right. But uh, then, you know, you think about the time that you're there and for an administrator, you know, new administrators often don't know the scope of their job. And sometimes they also get caught up on some things that might not be the best use of their time. And I told her a story about, uh, and I won't reveal where, but one of the schools where I worked that um, the principal was one of those that had their parking lot car spot that they were there at the beginning and end of the day, but they started their morning by blowing the leaves at the entrance of the building. And that was how they felt like they needed to spend their time. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, as I would call myself an instructional leader, I think that's not where your impact needs to be. Uh, not that that's not an important role that someone plays. I've had wonderful facility managers that I've worked with that really do take pride in making the school look beautiful from the curb and things like that. But that's their job, right? So as the principal, we need to remember to sort of stay in our lane and think about where we want to make the biggest impact as well. Right. Um, and I would venture to say, and I could be wrong about this, so I could be making a completely inaccurate assumption. I'm assuming that that leader was either new to the role or didn't have, hadn't had much experience in that role. Is that true? That was true. Yeah. And I think that was a, a way of covering maybe areas that they didn't feel adequate yeah. Um, and so they felt like, okay, that was something someone would notice. Yeah. Um, right. but you know, if you are in that position as a new principal, that's where you surround yourself with people who are knowledgeable and, you know, connect yourself and collaborate again to, you know, surround yourself with leaders who you can emulate and model. And, um, you would learn very quickly that that's not something that they have in their daily agenda of things that they would be doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're really familiar with the phrase fake it till you make it right. We, I mean, we hear that all the time in education. We hear it everywhere else too, but really sometimes you can fake it till it flops, you know, and we don't want to get to a point where we're faking it till it flops. And I think if we're looking at where our time is spent, if we're trying to fake it and cover up the mismanagement of our time, all we are doing is increasing the inadequacy of our role and decreasing the impact that we can have. So if you're here and you have faked it till it flopped, I want you to put hashtag fake it till it flops. And just remember, we don't want to fake it till it flops. Fake it till it flops. 
Um, you know, I was thinking about that principal too, or that leader. He very well could have thought when people see me doing this, this is, this is what they're going to believe. So maybe there was a disconnect between what he thought people would perceive and what they actually perceived. Um, and that's one of the questions that we want to bring up um, is if you look, if people look at what you were doing, what will they notice about your time spent? Can you speak more to that, Amy? Sure. So, um, you know, thinking about really doing all, almost an analysis of your day of how are you spending your time? Because I think that is an area, you know, that I would meet with teachers in meetings and I would say, what can I do for you? And, you know, it was always that they needed more time. If only we could, you know, magic wand grant some of those things. And so I, my challenge for people would be to do an analysis of your time. What are you spending time on? And, you know, things like instructional planning, think about how you could collaborate with your grade level, whether it be in your school building, or I was at a very small school where we only had two teachers per grade level. And in middle school, one per content. So wow. then you've got to reach out to people outside of your school building to really, you know, you might spend a focused four hours or something on a specific unit that you would be planning together, but then it's done and you can put it behind you. Yeah. And it's not that dark cloud that's hanging over you thinking you have so much to do. Right. And just being very intentional about how you're spending that time. Yeah. Um, I, want to bring up the questions that we talked about too. Can you still see me by the way? I want to make sure I'm not going off screen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to share about these questions and I'm actually going to go to my website where you guys will see these. Um, but this, these questions that we're thinking about using for leveling up your impact can be asked if of yourself as an instructional leader and you could use these questions um, if you are working with teams of teachers or teams of instructional leaders. I think these could be great questions to ask to kind of analyze like, OK, let's take a look. Let's break down our use of time or let's look at some of these things that we're trying to implement and decide is it something that I am over implementing? Is this something we need to de-implement and adjust? So I'm going to share that real quick on the screen so that you guys can see it. And let's see. Here they are. I want to make sure you guys can see this. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So here are some of the questions and they're very similar. One of them is, focused on questions that level up instruction. So these would be the questions that you might ask teachers or have teachers ask during planning meetings. So let's say you have the teachers who are going to Pinterest or going to teachers take pay, pay teachers at the drop of a dime, you know, like, and they're spending not only time, but their own money. And we can eliminate that. We can have them look at these questions before they decide to jump to that, or if they decide to use something from those places like Pinterest or Teachers Pay Teachers, they can go through these questions to decide, is this truly a quality resource that is going to have the impact that we want it to? And you'll go through like four broad questions that have sub-questions to go with it. So what questions, who questions, why questions, and how questions. 
And they all have to do with the impact that that practice or that activity will have on student learning or on the organization as a whole. And it's very similar with the questions that level up your impact as an instructional leader or as a team. So we're going to make sure that you can access those. Um, and I'll show you where when we get to the end of this session. Okay. So with that said, let's talk real quick about what we have discussed so far. We've talked about the two things that get in the way, time sinks that get in the way of making greater impact, understanding that where your time is, there your impact will be. We have talked about thin content, nice packaging, and we've also talked about time mismanagement. And really the two kind of go hand in hand. Amy, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners about where your time is spent, there your impact will be? I think, like I said, intentionality is probably going to be this key word here. But, you know, when you're planning your day and meetings with colleagues and things like that, and I know I'm preaching to Casey's choir over here, but, you know, be intentional about what your goals and objectives are and, and really try to stick to those because that's where you're going to see your impact. And if you were to look at that analysis of your time and how much is being wasted, I know we've all been in the chair where you feel like you've sat in on something that maybe wasn't what you were hoping to get out of it in professional development or anything else. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we are also our own worst enemy because we get off the rails and um, get sidetracked yeah. into things that are, are not the best use of our time. So really trying to keep ourselves on track. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Guys in the comments, would you please someone add, don't be your own worst enemy. Don't be your own worst enemy. Okay, so much goodness, so much wisdom from you. I so appreciate you coming on to chat with me today for a collaborative conversation. I want to tell you guys a few things as we wrap up. Number one, um, this podcast or episode is being streamed to several different places. So if you know of someone who didn't get to join in, but you think this would be really good for them to hear, or they might benefit from the resources, they can catch the replay in the Leading Collaborative Teams Facebook group, um, which is my group that focuses completely on how to lead teams better so that they feel that they're a part of something that they deserve. You can, they can catch the replay on my Facebook page or on YouTube it's on my website in a blog post and it's on Spotify. So it's literally everywhere. People can find this replay. And then I also want to share with you about a Better You, Better Teams sharecast that you can learn about by going to my website, catchingupwithkc.com. And it is there that you are going to learn about the sharecast I'm putting on starting in February where we are focusing on some self-awareness. We're going to be thinking about the six types of working genius, identifying your own working genius, the working genius of others, and considering how that plays into working with teams at your school. And finally, Amy, tell us a little bit about where people can locate you. 
Absolutely. So you can find me on the web at www.aimtoeducate.com. And I have some detailed articles that are linked on there. I have been featured on a couple of podcasts. I've done some work with Trauma-Informed Educators Network. And so there's some information about that. I also have been featured in an article on Edutopia. And so there's a few resources there regarding community partnerships and other things that I have done in my life's work. But uh, as well, you can also find me on Facebook at Aim to Educate. I would love to collaborate with you. And as we have said, collaboration is, the, is really the way to get the work done. Yep. And uh, so I, I look forward to staying in contact with many of you. You can find me on Twitter at A. It's uh, at Amy Mason Principal on Twitter. So um, any of those platforms, I'd love to stay connected. Okay, sweet. So if you guys are here in the comments, I want you to drop what was most useful for you here tonight. And to wrap up, be sure that you share this with someone that you subscribe. If you're watching it on YouTube or um, Spotify or iTunes, you can catch it anywhere and drop your email. If you would like access to these questions that I mentioned earlier, I'll add them to the stream real quick. These are the questions that you can have access to. We'll email it to you so that you can download it, print it and post it wherever is best for you. Okay. I'm seeing some people say um, the visuals with the questions was helpful. And it is, it is always so helpful to have like a visual right there with you. I like to have visuals with me and I kind of take them with me to meetings so I can rehearse them because rehearsal is, is super important. Okay, guys, it's time to wrap up. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Casey, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Okay, guys, talk to you later. Bye.